Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. Today we're visiting with Jim Belcher, evangelist at Poplar Creek Church of Christ in Grundy, Virginia. Jim, I don't really remember when we met. Uh, do you? I think I met you at a revival at Martin, Kentucky. Was it at Martin, Kentucky? That had been a ways so. back. Yeah. And then you brought your choir over to uh, Mountain View Church, which is not too far from here, when I was doing a revival there. And from that point, we set up our first revival here, which was three years ago. And now we're back doing our second revival. And uh, we're usually, you're busy or I'm busy doing one thing or another, and we don't always uh, get to talk. So I'm kind of interested in learning more about you. So Brother Jim, tell us your story. <laughs> well, it's not much to tell, Brother Tom, but uh, I guess you're scraping the bottom of the barrel when you want. <laughs> not at all. I know better than that. Uh, I started out with my mom and dad at the Furl Creek Church of Christ. My grandfather donated the land for the Furl Creek Church of Christ building. And really? And uh, Now, Furl's Creek is... At Belcher, Kentucky. Furl's Creek. Betty Ford's the minister there now. At Belcher, Kentucky, and your last name is? Belcher. Belcher, okay. And uh, E.W. Dameron and Roy Robinson used to have a... Uh, a little saying said, I try to get away from them belchers, and now I'm preaching where they make them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty proud of that, to know that I had that part of my heritage. But uh, I can't say that all the belchers have always been church-going people. But my daddy uh, started out as a Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah. But my mother was a strong Christian, and uh, she came out of a denomination. Her parents were of a denomination, but she would go down to the Elkhorn City Church of Christ and peek in the window. Really? When she was a little girl? Or? When she was a girl. Yeah. I don't know how little, but she was a girl, and she had a good friend there that would take her to the Sunday school literature and won my mother to the Lord, and then she was my dad, and... And they both became Christians at the Furls Creek Church of Christ. And uh, and that's just, what, three miles from, from Belcher? From Elkhorn I mean, City. From Elkhorn City, I mean. Yeah. It was real close. And they, they moved to, to Elkhorn City real young. But the occasion of my mom and dad's baptism was uh, uh, my sister's death. Uh, she had been babysitting me the night, and my mom and dad went to the revival at Furls Creek, and I don't know who was preaching the revival, but uh, my sister, after the revival, she went out and was in some kind of an accident and died, and in a few few days, my whole family became Christians, my brothers, Hubert and Trimble and Race and dad and mom, and uh, E.W. Dameron's sister sent me a picture of my mother being baptized by Brother Farmer from Elkhorn City. So it's very precious. And I grew up and I was pretty 
mischievous, uh, fighting and yeah. things like that. Not, I, I hated drinking, hated alcohol. Still, my passion is hating alcohol. But uh, I always thought I'd like to be a preacher. And I remember a conversation between me and one of my friends. We were hitchhiking to Pikeville to take her college exams. And we was talking about what we'd like to be. And he was wanting to be a teacher and a, a coach. And I said, you know, I'd really like to be a preacher, but I, I've been too mischievous. <laughs> I've been too mean. That's <laughs> what, what, what I said. And I got in a lot of trouble and things there. But misdemeanor stuff, you know, nothing right. really violent or anything. And it, it came from there and it just uh, happened to, to be and always had that desire. And uh, I'd say my calling, and I feel like it was a calling. I believe I believe preaching is a calling. I don't I don't believe it. It's a vocation. I think it's a calling. Uh, you know, I I wasn't mommy and daddy called. <laughs> I was the Lord called me. Yeah. And I felt that, and mm-hmm. I still feel that way. And uh, as I heard somebody else say along the way, uh, I wouldn't do this for anybody but the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> but I've changed my mind. I do it for the people. Yeah. I love the people. I love God's people. I see I, that when you're meeting people at the door or greeting them as they're going out. I see the way that you talk to them, and I, I really admire your the way you love your people. And I, I do everybody that way. I yeah. mean, that's, that's, that's not one of my faults. I yeah. mean, I, I don't look for faults in people. Yeah. I look for the best in them. And, uh, of course, you know, I'm human. I get aggravated and I get upset and I don't like things that people do. Yeah. But, but there's nothing that keeps me from treating them the way I want to be treated, as the Golden Rule yeah. says, you know. It doesn't matter who it is. And well, were you baptized when the rest of the family was baptized? No, the, I, they were all grown. This was my daddy's uh, second wife. His first wife died. Okay. And uh, he was up in years. And he married a real young girl, yeah, and had a second family. So it was. So my you dad. were in the second family. I'm in the second family. Okay, I was the oldest son of the second family. So how old were you when all the others got baptized? I was six, six months old. Oh, okay. So That's sister, why you, you my were, sister had got had to get that picture. Yeah. My sister that got killed was was uh, babysitting me the night that Dad and Mom went to the revival. Okay. And they come home and they took, she was free and she went out and right. was killed. And uh, So how old were you when you made your decision? I was 10 years old at Elkhorn City, Church okay. of Christ. And, uh, and there's no doubt about it. It wasn't because I was young. I felt yeah. that conviction. You know, that right. I, I felt that pull of the Holy Spirit that made me go forward. Yeah. And it was on a Friday night. And Preacher Greenleaf was preaching the the revival. And Preacher Greenleaf, because we go all over the world here, let's explain who Preacher Greenleaf is. Pre- Preacher Greenleaf was from Charleston, West Virginia. He came and established the Grundy Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if he established it, but he was a minister there for years and years. And eventually they grew so large uh, that about 11 churches in Buchanan County were started by that church, sending the elders to different churches uh, and starting uh, 
different congregations. So uh, we had a lot of little small congregations, but now we have about, I'd say, 11 or more congregations within 10 miles. His goal was to have a church close enough that anybody could walk to. Well, you know, I, as a young preacher, we used to get material about uh, various things happening in Grundy. And, of course, that was a long way, a world away from where I was at or how I was raised. But I always, uh, that, that name, Preacher Greenleaf, was, was always one that, that drew my attention. I wanted to read about what it said about him. So, and you were converted during a revival that he was preaching mm-hmm. at Elkhorn City. And I always had been one of my favorite preachers. And uh, I, I've had some Joe O'Neill did a biography on him and so forth and sermons and things available. Had it. And I went to GBI. That's where I first started being formally trained. Right, now explain minister. what GBI is. Grundy Bible Institute is just a little, it's a school and Greenleaf and different people would teach the classes on the Bible. Mm-hmm. And people, it was started to, to train elders and deacons and ministers or, and right. people of the church to be better equipped. We could use some more of that nowadays, couldn't we? We sure could, and we could have a whole lot more people interested in doing it. We used to have full, full classes. Yeah. A lot of people doing it. And they've come from all over the county, two counties. And then E.W. Dameron followed that tradition down at Colerun and had the East Kentucky Bible Institute down there. I think Jerry Bliffin still continuing that down there. He's a mm-hmm. former minister at Colerun. And he was preaching the revival at... Friday night, I just kind of kind of fought it. You know how you will have that resistance mm-hmm. from Satan. On Friday night, I went forward, and the title of the sermon was about the Valley of the Dry Bones. Really? <laughs> and I, yeah, they it's have a good a, they have a good archive up at Grundy, and the fellow that took care of that, he said, I think I've still got that that sermon on tape. Really? But, but I never did get it from him. Yeah. That's how you began, and then going to college, and then uh, at that time I studied to be a teacher and an accountant, uh, but uh, I still had that desire to be a minister, and uh, finally uh, I worked in the coal mines for 30 years and preached at small churches that couldn't afford ministers or small salaries. And I did that for 30 years, and I've been preaching full-time now about 20-some years. And I've had about seven congregations and loved every single place, and they were tough. They had some ups and downs and struggles and a place or two, you know. They right. they go after the preacher. Uh, really? Does that happen? <laughs> uh, I tell you, I, I say sometimes the cut, cut deep widens continuous. <laughs> But I've, I've forgiven all that. It took a lot of prayer. And I, I can honestly say I, I, I don't have a grudge in my heart against anybody. I couldn't imagine that you would. I, I, I sure don't, and I'm, I'm happy. I, that's, I have my thoughts, but it's not being able to get along or love people on my part. Well, all the churches you've been at, have they all been in this area? Well, I preached at Rose Hill, Virginia. I went to Johnson Bible College. I quit okay. the mines. I went to, I quit the mines uh, at, at a congregation, 
1980, went to Johnson Bible College. I'd already mm -hmm. gone to Moorhead State University and got a degree down there, and then I went to Johnson Bible College. Right. Uh, and uh, got a part-time ministry there. Came back and uh, worked in the coal mines for those next 30 years, part-time for small congregations, and until finally decided, you know, I said, Lord, if you want me to go full-time, then it's going to be up to you because it's hard to give up this salary in the coal mines. Yeah. And uh, so after vacation, after miner's vacation, I got my paint slip. <laughs> I said, okay, Lord. <laughs> so it kind of happened along those lines, you know. I couldn't tell you specific dates or so forth and never regretted it. Never regretted it. Gravy's got thin, as we say. Gravy, yeah. just like you were talking in your message last night. But there's never been a time that God has not provided. Yeah, I like what you had to say last night at the end, how God has always taken care of you. It's been he, he certainly has. And, and I'm so abundantly blessed. You know, I started to say there'd be times I'd go back. I said, I just wish I could afford a good car. Now you got the, the church furnishes a car. They got a car and a truck and they're paid off and, and a house that's paid off and just practically plumb out of debt. I'm just abundantly blessed and I'm able to give a, a lot back now. And I'm just so thankful. Not a lot, but. So you were at you were at Rose City up around Johnson around Knoxville? No, I was at I'm sorry. Rose Hill, Virginia. Rose Hill, Virginia. I'm sorry. There's a weekend ministry. I went when I was uh, preaching. When I decided to go to Johnson Bible College, I was working at the mines then. Yeah. And so uh, I said, "Well, I'm just going to go to Bible College." So we sold out. Uh, I quit the mines. So what little bit of furniture we had, and my wife and two kids went to Johnson Bible College, and no work, no anything. Got a work ship there, and they got a found this work preaching on the weekend. Mm -hmm. and they said, "Well, we really don't have anything, but we'll send you up to Rose Hill, Virginia." Said they've not liked anybody we've sent so far. <laughs> <laughs> So evidently, I fit in, fit in, stayed there for, after I got out of school and, and stayed in Lee County, I, I bet 20 years. Really? Uh -huh. Wow. So from there, where did, where did you go? Tell us some of the other places that you've Well, I went to in. Rose Hill, Virginia, and in Lee County, I preached at Rose Hill, Virginia, uh, First Christian Church in Pennington Gap, uh, Olive Hill. Christian uh -huh. Church uh, and Hubbard Springs Christian Church, all these pretty close together, small right. churches. And then I came to Elkhorn City and stayed 14 years at my home congregation. Really? I, I think I, well, I knew you were at Elkhorn City. Sure, we've discussed that. And uh, that was when I first started preaching, that's really where I wanted to start. I thought, man, I'll go back there and I'll set the world on fire and win all my family. Yeah. But if I would have got that position, I couldn't have handled it. Sure. I would have been too immature. I thought the same thing about my home congregation. And, and, and But when I went back the second time, and I'm still, as far as I know, I'm still loved. Every time people, I'm there, they say, we miss you and so forth and and I can go there today and preach and teach or visit and just be like going home. 
Well, I know how everybody knew you. We were there. We had the privilege on Saturday night. You told us that Elkhorn was in a weekend revival, and we got in here Saturday to, to Grundy and got set up and everything. And uh, rare for Beth and I to go and get to just sit in a revival and sing and just enjoy the preaching. And David Bentley was preaching and did a really good job preaching. And, and uh, of course, Brian Goins was there and always does a great job with music. And it was just, it was wonderful to be there. First time we've been, we stayed in Alcorn City when we were at uh, one of the other churches in the area uh, doing revival. You stayed at Mountain View. You stayed at Brother Rick Johnson's. Yeah. This. Yeah. And, and uh, so, and then last time we were here, we stayed at their place because they had a little B&B and, and mm-hmm. that, they don't have that anymore. So we're over here at the motel, which is nice because it's a little closer because you can't, you can't get here from just about anywhere. You know, you got to go over a mountain. And I, I used to say, well, at least if you come down Poplar Creek Road, you're just coming along the creek. But that's not the same anymore there. You got to come over a mountain. They built a man-made mountain. You got to drive over because uh, they're putting in that, that new road. So uh, Our song leader, you're my good friend and not really associate, but uh, he... Uh, he said about Poplar Creek, this is how he describes all this construction. He said, it's like going to heaven. It's hard to get there, but when you do, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for, for Beth and I, oh, we, we get to drive, uh, come to Revival every day on roads that a lot of our listeners would never understand. Hudow Road is, uh, is, is, and I know there are steeper ones because we see driveways that come off of Hudow Road to go, I don't know, straight down and at least one of them that goes straight up. And, and Beth looks at that and says, I, I don't believe. She said, you know, I love this area, but I don't believe I'd want a house up there. <laughs> well, I, I invited her to go up and stay with my wife while you and I were talking. And she said, no, I am not driving up that driveway and I'm not walking. <laughs> <laughs> that driveway for, for, for Flatlanders... And and though we live in, in Rolling Hills, it's flatland compared to this. That everything is straight up or straight down around here, unless you're going along the creek. And and, and uh, it's crooked. And it's crooked, <laughs> you know. And it's it's a lot like it was growing up in, at home in in the foothills, of the Ozarks. You know, we t- people say, "How do you get there?" And we'd say, "You go to the old Johnson barn. That ain't there no more." But you go there and you make a left. And you go straight for three miles. Well, straight to us means crookedy, 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 and that means you're on the same road. You don't turn off. Same road is not straight. Yeah, I got that. And uh, but Poplar Creek is uh, it's a wonderful place here, and and your house does overlook the church. (laughs) I mean, if if you got a problem with the roof of this church, you can see it from your place. (laughs) But uh, so you've been here at Poplar Creek for how long? Five years. Five years. In the middle of my fifth year. Okay. I came here in 2016. So, it may actually start in six years. So, how many, uh, I, I can't add it up now, how many years have you been in ministry full time and part time? Right at 50. Right at 50 years. I preached my first sermon at White Mills Christian Church in 1971 on a Mother's Day. Wow. And then my son was born in 1972. And I actually, I preached at White Mills. Uh, a minister left, a good friend of mine, and actually finally ordained me, uh, Jim Daniels. He had left White Mills, and I filled in for a few, a few, uh, till they found a minister. And actually at White Mills, I had the elders there, and I was young, 
in the twenties and started, uh, we, they, they paid my way to the Kiamichi Clinic where they beat McReynolds and they had an invitation up there for pre people that wanted to go full time and I went. Mm -hmm. And so I had not been preaching before that, right? but I came back and, and then it wasn't two weekends. Somebody said, would you come and preach for us this week in a couple of churches down there in the Hardin County area? And just, the Lord opened the doors. Well, if, if we'll follow, he'll open the doors. My grandfather was ordained by, by Mac Reynolds, by A.B. Reynolds, at, in Kaimichi's at a family camp in 1949. Wow. And, uh, uh, and I, I didn't actually know. I thought it was at a men's retreat. But a lady, I think it was in Iowa, came to revival, and she was quite an elderly lady, and she said, I was there when your grandpa was ordained. You're talking about Mr. Huckleberry? Mr. Huckleberry, that's right. <laughs> I've listened to some of the sermons on, on you. Oh, have you? Yes, okay. I right. sure have. I've listened to those. And yeah. And, and, he uh, had a unique voice. He did. He did. Voice. Had a good singing voice. He recorded, wrote some songs, recorded some songs, too. We've got those. One of these days, I'll get those and maybe just have a podcast of his singing. And uh, a couple of the old hymns, you know, he could play the guitar. He mm -hmm. played the piano. He could play any instrument that came along because uh, he used to play the piano for honky-tonks. <laughs> and he used to run moonshine in the Ozark Mountains before he was converted. Well, you must know Jerry Lee and Jimmy Swaggart. <laughs> <laughs> well, he played the piano a lot like him. I used to play, say that he played honky-tonk Christian because he played up and down that piano and could. Uh, they used to have... At his revivals, they'd have a night to stump the preacher. And if you could bring an instrument that he couldn't play, they'd give you a prize of some kind. And, and uh, they'd say he could play anything. Some things he couldn't play as well as others. <laughs> he could play just about anything. But uh, enough about him. But I heard, uh, you know, I, I'm enjoying your website. It's got devotions on there, lots yeah. of things. that I, I don't do it every day, but uh, when I need to go to a place, I know where to go and get those devotions and the sermons, like you say. Yeah. And now I'm going to learn about going to the podcast and so forth. Well, the same place you found the sermons is the same place you'll find these podcasts because uh, they've been put up there through this podcast. Actually, beforehand, we had we had just his sermons on there. We took them all down, and we've made podcasts out of them. So we have over 130 podcasts. About 70 of them are frontline servants, like this one we're on right now. Uh, but you can go back and now find uh, sermons by Fred D. Huckleberry on there, and all these men that we've interviewed, and a few a few ladies we've interviewed that are that have served the Lord as um, uh, missionaries or preachers' wives that have had interesting stories that we've had an opportunity to visit with. And you can go back and listen to any of those on, on the uh, same place you find this. So, uh, we'll, I'll help you with that. We'll get that, we'll get you down where you can do that. So, um, almost 50 years. Well, you probably had some, some good times and some bad times. Uh, could you share with us? Uh, well, let's start with, and you don't have to name names, but maybe some low times of ministry uh, because we all have those, and I, I'm always careful to say to any listener, you have low times in any job you do in your life, any any anything you're doing, any type of work you do. And though this is a calling, we're not um, we're, we're we we have those times too. 
And, and uh, sometimes it's good to understand that we have those and that God brings us through them. Uh, anything you might want to share that uh, just times where you got down and the Lord brought you through it where you continue to minister? Well, you know, Veiled as much as you want. <laughs> I, I'm pretty even keel. I don't yeah. get up and down very much at all. I, you know, I, like I say, I'm concerned about things, and you lose some sleep over some things at times. Sure. And I have had a, a congregation or two where we've had some disagreements. You're right. And uh, uh, it seems that uh, whatever the problem is, the preacher pays the price. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, no matter if, if the problem somebody's been there for years, if we get rid of the preacher, gets a new preacher, uh, it'll it'll fix it. That problem doesn't usually go away, but no, it doesn't. And it's very disappointing and very hurtful. And during those times, uh, when I thought really I felt betrayed, and I mean the, the congregation, they were I was living in a, an apartment at that time. They uh, they stopped paying the rent on the apartment. I was, they took the mailbox key till I couldn't get the key and, and just a lot of slurs and things like that. But, uh, and a lot of it behind my back, I found out later and different things. But like I say, that's water under the bridge and sure. all forgiven. And, and those people now, if I see any of them face to face, where it's a handshake and a howdy and a hug and all, all gone. And, but, uh, well, the good thing I, that I see out of this is you, you didn't go back to the mines. You didn't, you didn't uh, start selling insurance doing or selling cars. Uh, you believe this was a calling. And, and uh, I, I said early when I was a young preacher, because it seemed like we moved churches a little more when we were younger, uh, because we're immature. And, and we make bad choices and bad decisions too. And it's not always, we think it's sometimes it's somebody else that's caused this situation we're in. Sometimes we're, sometimes maybe we, we egged it on and, and, and didn't realize it. But, but when it's a calling, you don't leave that. You, you, you may, you may leave a particular location because you, you're no longer, uh, can function well for the Lord's work there. Uh, because of a situation, either you caused it or or maybe some folks within the church. And there's never, in my opinion, and I, I, and I believe I'm right, this brother, there's never uh, an occasion where it's right for the, for the church to quit. If they're paying the rent for a preacher as part of a salary, to cut that out without saying, here's, here's notice, we're going to do this. And it's time for you to move on. We're not, things aren't working well. Uh, we, we don't, sometimes we move in next door to an uncle we got along with real good. And that uncle, it just turns out things turn sour and we feel like we can't, that's a family member. We, 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 we love them, but we, we, we don't think that we need to live near them anymore. So, well, in that situation, the landlords never one time uh, said, Jim, where's the rent? What's going on or anything? Isn't that wonderful? And it's, you know, for a, a pretty good extended amount of time where they would have expected their money. Well, you know, that's what we were talking about last night, how, how God takes care of us. And I have, uh, I, I have been through some difficult times, Brother Jim, but I have never been unable 
to feed my family. Uh, and like, like, we, like we always say, chicken one week and feathers the next, but we had something to eat. And, and God took care of us. And, and uh, I, I believe this is a lifetime calling. Well, I tell you, I want to, I just might as well say, uh, uh, the hardest time in my life, uh, lowest time in my life was uh, I went through a divorce. Well, you're not the first one on this program to, to say that. And I'd been married 20 years. Mm. And actually, I was more married to the church and neglected my wife and family. Mm -hmm. And she had to bear the brunt of the, the kids and, and the finances a lot of times. And she put up with me for 20 years. Wonderful, wonderful woman. Couldn't ask for any better. And uh, she just said, I don't want to be married to a preacher. And, and uh, you're not the, again, you're not the first one on this podcast that, that had that same thing said to him. Yeah. But, uh, and I cried and cried. I couldn't go to church. I'd go places where they didn't know me. So when I would be crying, you know, they wouldn't know exactly what was going on and different things. And, but then God opened the door again. Yeah. And the wife that I have now been with me. 30 years, 32. Yeah. And uh, uh, she was, uh, I, we were sitting there, I was back in, working in the mines and knock on the door and somebody said, Jim, we really need somebody to preach for us. I said, now, brother, I've been through a divorce and, and you know, that's pretty, that's, that's not something for a preacher to do. Right. I never recommend for anybody Right, but you know, one night with a preacher, you lose your job, your family, your home. If you're living in a parsonage and everything, right? And so that's how that was. But my wife, uh, after he left, she said, "Jim, why don't you consider it?" And so she encouraged me, and we've been uh, in the trenches for 32 years together now. I don't know why it is uh, where where we find a scripture that says divorce is unforgivable i don't think we do uh, i i do believe divorce is wrong just like you do but god hates it and i hate it yeah god hates it but he, he doesn't hate the divorcee he hates divorce because like you and me love our kids if we see them going through a rough marriage a rough time we hate it because we love our kids and and to say that divorce is the end all for the for the christian and a Christian can't serve anymore, uh, particularly now if, if there's been if there's been as we used to say hanky panky going on and all that, then you don't you need to get out and get your life straightened out. That's where you need to be. And and if but but we need to back up and look at circumstances. We need to look at situations like we would if you found a man who was uh, at one time in his life was was a, well, I'm just going to say it was a used car dealer and he was a shyster, but he came to the Lord and his life turned around. You wouldn't say, now that man can't be a preacher because he, one time he was a crook. No, he, you know, he, he's, his, God's taken care of that. God, and he, and has helped him to move on. Well, if God felt that way, the apostle Paul would have never made it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> or and, David or a lot of other folks. Now, I, I realize that some of our listeners may disagree with this, and that's fine. Just switch over and hit the button and turn me off. You know, that's that's your privilege. But I 
I think the older I get, the more I understand God's grace. I understood his, his rule real well when I first became a Christian and a preacher, mm -hmm. but I've come to understand his grace a whole lot more as I've gotten older. Well, I've, I've lost positions. I tried for, for because that was an issue with right. me. But, you know, I see their point. They want, sure. They, they want to keep it as clean and as pure as they can. I understand that. And, you know, just like choosing elders or deacons, they want yeah. to stay as close as they possibly can. So I, I have no, like I say, I understood their stance completely and, I do too, and I and I don't, I, I don't hold that against them. I I, I respect that, uh, because they thought about it, they prayed about it, they feel like for their congregation, that's where they need to be, and uh, that's holding a lot of good men back. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's uh, it's not a qualification; it's a disqualification. Right. <laughs> a, a lot yeah. of those things are trying to. And and I do, you know, you got to consider. Had you had you not listened when your wife said, "Well, Jim, why don't you give out some thought? Think about the souls that may not have come to the Lord." Now, some other preacher might have brought them to the Lord, but you think about the souls that may not have come, the disagreements in the church that needed someone with some wisdom that understood disagreements, uh, maybe in some areas that other preachers might not have known. Had you not gone back and done that, where you've helped the church. And, well, I hope and I like to think that there'll be people in heaven because of me. And I know I have seen marriages saved. I've been able to intervene in marriages and different things because I've gone through some of that. But I'd also, I, I've seen a, a lot of people baptized into Christ. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not uh, the Apostle Paul or, or yeah. any world evangelist, but... I've had success, uh, and I'm, I can recall those baptisms and the people, and and brought me a lot of happiness and success and encouragement. Well, what are the Lord still works? What I mean, I know baptism, baptizing folks is, but is there any one point that you just have to say was just a real highlight of ministry? Maybe, maybe a soul brought to the Lord. I mean, any soul is a highlight, or just something that just said this was just a. This was a good day in the Lord for me. Well, one my brother, I had a brother. He passed away this past year. He's, uh, you know, like I say, I pray for my family all the time, all those years. But he was just, he he was just, he was a Vietnam veteran. He came back with a lot of PTSD or the old wars. We call it shell shock, <laughs> different things, you know. But he came back and very bitter and couldn't hold a job. And, family but uh, he came to the Lord and that was one of the uh -huh. highlights I and, sure see and that. I've had uh, some of those older brothers that I talked about had gone yeah. back on the Lord uh, and uh, one was dying of cancer I brought home with me and uh, kept him till he died so he wouldn't have to go to a nursing home and, and uh, see how faithful they were after yeah. uh, those are some of my highlights but uh, like you say you baptize people that'll be friends forever yeah i was thinking one that i i had funerals are bad yeah funerals are terrible uh when it's when it's especially when it's a close friend brother sister in christ yes, it? and i preach funerals and I, I really 
kind of shouldn't mention any of those where several family members in one home was killed mm. uh, and had to preach those funerals and uh, uh, funerals for babies and uh, hardest funerals. ones for me yeah uh, and uh, one fellow I'm thinking of good friend good deacon in the church he died saving his grandson drowning he couldn't find him and he stayed there and drowned with him and had those funerals oh my goodness but I've seen people come to the Lord over the, some of those. Yeah. So there's some highlights. That's a bad highlight, but that's a highlight. Yeah. You know, that God can take those bad things and use them for, for good. I did a funeral for a two-year-old out in Colorado, in the plains of Colorado, and um, I was in my early 20s, I believe, maybe mid-20s by then. And this family were not Christians at all, but their neighbors uh, and out there, the neighbors were, you know, four or five miles away, were Christians. And this little boy had died in the night, and there was so much snow, they had to get a four-wheel drive to drag the ambulance through the snow to get to the house. And I did the funeral for that little boy, and the next couple of months, I baptized both the mom and daddy. And uh, that was the good that came out of it, but it was hard. It was hard. And the multiple family, four family members... Um, uh, mother and four and three children all killed in a plane crash. Uh, those are hard times, but they do give you the opportunity to reach out to family members that you may never have an opportunity to reach out to. And and uh, but that's the thing people don't realize that ministry that uh, that we have to deal with that things. And one day we're baptizing folks, and and it's glorious. And late that night. We, we go to bed and we're feeling great and we get a phone call and a young member of our church is killed in a car wreck and we've got to go take care of that. And uh, so I, one reason I believe it's a calling, you, you, can't, you can't stick with it if it's, if, if it's a career. It's got to be a calling so that you'll go anywhere God sends you. I've had people say, Tom, I'll go anywhere. I'm ready to go where God sends me. And I'll say, we have a church open in Mississippi. They say, oh, I don't want to come to Mississippi. <laughs> I say, well, and maybe that's not your calling. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, and you know, your own personal tragedies. My wife and I lost a son 15 years old in a car wreck. Oh, I'm sorry. Pretty devastating. Yeah. And uh, in a lot of cases, that leads to divorce in families. Yeah. And ministers, but uh, I think it's brought my. I know it's brought my wife closer to the Lord. Yeah. And uh, uh, she. Uh, we don't talk about it much, and we usually get emotional when we do. Sure. But uh, that was a really a tough time too. But uh, the support of Christians helps you make it through that. Yeah. People comes to you and all those people comes to the services and they're hugging you and thanking you and they're saying nice things about your son yeah and which is encouraging and and so forth or they'll reach in their billfold and give you a hundred dollar bill to put on the funeral and, and so forth when you, you when you didn't have money to pay or even have a funeral and those kind of things are uh it, it's different to be on the receiving end uh -huh. Of that, when my father died, we had moved to start work with a new church about forty-five miles from. So, for the first time in my life in ministry, my church members got to know my parents because they would come up about once a month to go to church with us. 
and he died of cancer when he was just um, well less than a year older than I am now. And all of a sudden, these people showed up. They drove the 45 miles to be at the funeral home. They they sent me letters. Uh, I, it was a totally different experience to be on the receiving end of the church giving out that kind of love. Same thing happened with my mother at Elkhorn. We had her funeral there. And it was just one of the largest funerals I'd ever seen. But it wasn't because of me. It was because of her. Yeah. And that's why I really, you know... When we were growing up, my mother and I had their problems. We had our problems and disagreements, but, you know, I never sassed my mother. I never hit my mother. I raised my voice probably a few times to her, but she was uh, had a nervous breakdown when we were growing up and very difficult to live with and so forth. But I, I'd say, now, boys, my brothers, I said, boys, we, that's our mother. You know, we've got to, we'll be out of here in a couple of years and so forth, so this is be... She's her mother, right, and and so forth. So, but uh, for all those years, I had that hard feelings. Yeah, but I got to come back to Elkhorn City and got to know my mother, and that's one of the greatest benefits of going back to Elkhorn City is to get to know my mother. I always understood what she was trying to do, but I didn't understand her and loved her until I came back to Elkhorn. That's good. That's good to have that time. That bitterness was all gone, and which, which, like I say, is always never kept us apart. Never Mother's Day, all those things were still right. there, but it had that friction or that, yeah. that distance, which all that was just dissolved. You know what we say? A lot of times, people look at the man in the pulpit and they think, "Well, he's got it all together," and. Uh, they don't realize that we're going through some of the same struggles that, that you're going through sitting in the pew. And if you don't like this sermon that I'm preaching, we may not particularly like it either. It may be just, it may be straightening us out in some area that, that we've been struggling with for a long time, but God's word says it and we need to preach it. And it might be to our listeners, if you're not in vocate, what we call vocational ministry, if you're not preaching, um, and we have a lot of listeners who aren't preachers. Understand, your preacher, uh, that, that love and support you get from him, uh, he and his family need that from you as well. And, and they don't need to, you don't need to wait till a family member's, uh, till he has a funeral in his family to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let him know you support him. Give him a call once in a while. Uh, say, hey, we want to bring some dinner over to your house. Mm-hmm. Or we just want to visit. Come over to our house. We're having a cookout or do something like that. Because they need that encouragement from you. Christmas gifts <clears throat> yeah. is a wonderful time. I mean, I know Christmas is that we were just barely able to get anything, you know. But and then the church would give you a bonus or give you something. Yeah. All those things means a whole lot to, to the minister and his family. It does. It does. And and, and just throughout the year to, to show that, that love and acceptance and... and uh, uh, and sometimes, uh, well, lots of times it doesn't have to be anything uh, that is material like uh, food or money or anything. Just a kind word at the back tolerance. door. And tolerance and a, and a kind word. And, and remembering that that uh, if a preacher preaches a sermon and, and 30 people walk out and shake his hand and say, that was that hit the nail on the head, that's what I need, that was a fine sermon, thank you for that. 
and you walk out and say, you weren't up to par today. I didn't care for that. That's the one he's going to remember when he goes to bed that night. And he doesn't need to hear that when he needs to spend, spend Sunday with his family. So uh, if you want if, if mull it over a little bit and make sure that you want to say something that's negative and give him a week or two on that one and say, you know what you said back then? I don't know that I agree with that. Give him a little time. Uh, I've, had people, I've had people tell me <coughs> 10 years later, I, I, I remember one of the elders over at Macedonia. Now I was over there preaching first first time I hadn't met him. He said, Jim, I remember that sermon you preached when I was living at Aside. And he wow. remembered the name of the sermon. Isn't that something? Or so God's word sticks and goes, and I'm glad he can use me to do that. Well, it's like you remember the sermon that sermon preached. Preacher. The, the night you were baptized. You remember that. Weddings are good. Yeah. I like weddings, but I've seen several of them not make it. But I've seen some of them that's been together 30 and 40 years. And I've baptized people that now I'm baptizing their grandkids. And, mm. and all that's, it's just uh, got its rewards, disappointments. But like I say, I wouldn't go back. Well, 50 years, almost 50 years. I think I said the other night, 45 for me, and I just realized it's actually 47 in September. But 50 years looking, look, look back, look at where we're at now, looking ahead. It's uh, better. I, yeah. It's better. I, I, I like to, uh, it gets better as you go. Yeah. Well, one thing, we mature, don't we? Yeah. And, and we, yeah. Learn, we learn to think things through a little better than we, we do. And we're still learning. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, I heard a preacher say once when I was a young preacher, I was at some men's get-together, or some preachers get together, and he said there are two kinds of preachers. There's the ones who went to Bible college and got their education, and they know it all. And there's the ones who are constantly learning, and they're the ones that are going to make it. And uh, and I've always tried to remember that that I need to I need to constantly be reading and studying the scriptures and studying what people say about the scriptures, and also learning from my own uh, poor decisions that I've made in the past and my good decisions I've made in the past. Bad choices teach you real quick. <laughs> yeah. I always like to tell people, generally I don't make a mistake. I make a bad choice. <laughs> okay. And, and, uh, and that sin is not a mistake. Sin is a bad choice. And it is, it is a choice to, to sin. But looking at where we're at now and going forward, Brother Jim, um, what do you see in your mind, and everybody has a different idea of this as a preacher, as the greatest challenges... Uh, facing, and I always make this kind of three-part, the church, the preacher, or the individual Christian in this country going forward. Uh, and you can answer all three at once, or if you want to separate them up, or, or just give me one answer to one. Well, personally, for myself going forward, my greatest concern is health. You know, as, Your health. As you, you know, you're in your 70s and so forth. You can see that declining. Mm -hmm. and especially memory. Uh, you have those senior moments, those lapses and uh, brain freezes, yeah. COVID uh, fog, <laughs> whatever you may be experiencing. Right. Uh, I, you always wonder when, you know, for a baseball player or a football player, an athlete, they say, when do you need to quit? Mm -hmm. And, of course, as ministers, 
we can't quit. It's a till death do us part kind of thing. It is. But we, at our age, we can't keep those 16 hours and 14 hour days like we did when we were younger. We just can't get to doing all the things we'd like to do. So health is a concern going forward personally. Right. And of course, you've got a family and my wife's concern is, well, we never get a weekend off. We never get to go spend time with the grandkids and stuff. And you feel it. Now, do I owe them and so forth? But even at that, you realize that you'll be traveling somewhere, filling in and right. weekends and so forth. You never really quit. For the church, the biggest issue, I say, right now is that the devil, the world, whatever it is, has stolen their young people. Yeah. They have captured our young people right in our own homes. Mm-hmm. TV, internet. And and I, I look at my own kids and say, where did I go wrong? You know, and because as the old saying goes, our kids had that drug problem. They got drugged to church, you know. Right. Uh, but uh, I, we don't have any younger people right. looking for a church desperately needs some deacons and some people that's trained knows their Bible and willing to to serve even physical work mm-hmm. <laughs> church supper uh, driving buses you just can't get volunteers uh, younger people right older people who are going to do it till we die right because we're in died in the wool as they say right but I see that as a problem our government yep. is, is a big opposition to the church now it's a stumbling block to a lot of people, our leadership in our country, laws, uh, hate speech. I see hate speech coming down the, the pipe. Oh yeah, it's already. Or they're already saying Bibles hate speech. And uh, so, uh, the lack of younger people, and younger people need the Lord more than any any time. Yeah, they're traumatized. They're pred, you know, predators are out there every day. And, and uh, so forth. So that's the biggest problem I see for the church. But the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. And uh, I, I, I'm i like that old song. Uh, we're getting tired. We're getting weary. And you're going to preach on that Wednesday night. Right. Night, and I'm looking forward to that. But uh, we do get tired. We get weary. Your workers are so tired. But we pray. Wait a little longer, please, Jesus. Get that one more person. <laughs> one in. more soul. One more soul. And that's the heart of an evangelist, Jim. Yeah, well, and, I, and I know you've got it. Well, not only the way you talk is what you do. Uh, for our listeners, we got here and Jim in his seventies, and it was not. It was a warm day on Saturday. Was out there manning a roadblock, giving out flyers for the for the revival with others. And and uh, I don't see that a lot anymore, but you were out there getting her done. And uh, I appreciate that. That's the heart of a guy who wants to reach his community and still trying just anything that might help. I mean, we, we're we driving over Hudal. Is it Hudal Mountain that Hudal Road goes over? Hudal Road. All right. Hudal Road. So we're, we're at the top of Hudal Road. At that steep, steep climb and getting ready to come down the other side, and there's a great, big, beautiful sign about revival with Tom Weaver at Poplar Creek Church of Christ. <laughs> They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Y'all did well, a great we job. We tried to cover all the avenues in toward the 
Sure. You did a great job of that, and I appreciate your heart of an evangelist. And, and you know, uh, it's not you're, you're still one of those still wanting to learn because I, I know I can show up at any revival in this area, and I'm probably going to run into Jim. He's going to drive. A few, in fact, we did. We were down near Bristol somewhere, I think, a couple of years ago. Beth and I went to hear our friend Tony Sullivan speak. Yeah, and we had gone out of our way uh, maybe a, a hundred miles because it was a Friday night, and we said, "Well, we got a couple nights off. Let's go sit in a revival." And and like we say, it's rare for us. And and turn around, and there you came in with 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 one of your friends, Jesse. Yeah, yeah Je- brother Jesse from here at the church. Y'all came in. And we all enjoyed a good revival, and y'all drove us two hours probably back home. Uh, I tried to go to all the local revivals within an hour or two that I can get to in Tazewell, Buckhannon, Pike County, if I know about it. But I sweeten those roadblocks up. We give them a Tootsie Roll pop. Oh, did <laughs> And that's fun to see the kids. And, yeah. And uh, even That's there. a great idea. I never thought of that. And we, we stand there, but it, it's kind of... You know, people, they think you're, they try to give us money and they say, I think we're getting money and people get annoyed sometimes at those. But uh, for me, I enjoy meeting the people, the ones that stops and getting in violent and some of them, truck drivers, we had truck drivers, hey, was you an inspector? I said, no, I was a mine instructor. Oh yeah, that's where I've seen you <laughs> touch bases and they, and, and neighbors, even Popper Creek, uh, you know, you don't have neighbors like you used to. No. And so they may be a mile down the road from me, and they'll say, yeah, I, I live down the road, and they'll give you your name, so you learn. It's both ways. I right. really enjoy them, even though it's And the wind about blew us off the road. I was worried about getting run over. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, Popper Creek, you said a mile down the road. A mile down the road takes you, what, 10, 15 minutes? Of Popper Creek, <laughs> all the ups and downs and everything else. Well, Jim, it's been good to, to visit with you, and and uh, I I really enjoyed it. We're going to go out and get some lunch here in just a minute. And, Sounds good and, to me. And uh, is there anything else that you could add uh, just to, to close? Just anything else on your mind you want to share? Well, Tom, I want to say I appreciate your podcast and inviting me to be a part of those. You know, sometimes preachers keep a lot of things bottled up. Yeah. And I've talked about with you about things that I would never have spoke of. You don't get to share with anybody else. Yeah. So we keep all this in, the burdens and all the things, the good and the bad in. It's good to just be able to talk to somebody. It is and good. And to share with you today. So it is. brings back things and uh, emotions. So I thank you for uh, letting me have this time to just kind of release some things as inside well, I, I appreciate that. And I, I believe our listeners, we have a lot of people in ministry and missionaries and Christian musicians that tell me that, that this does them a lot of good to hear other people say what they have been through, both good and bad, and how they came to Christ. Wonderful stories there. And your story is wonderful, too. And uh, So uh, I, I hope that this has been an encouragement to our listeners. And if it has, don't keep it to yourself. Uh, share it with your friends and co-workers in Christ. Tell them about this podcast and others and and let them learn a, about uh, ministry through hearing it from those who are doing it on the front lines of Christian service. 
And uh, we thank you for tuning in today. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye. And may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.